Do you know what's really in your hot dogs? I know, weird topic, right? But wait till you hear this. It is freaking me out. Uh, how do you identify? Mm, today could be just about anything you want. And Pfizer funding. That's P-H-U-N-D-I-N-G. Uh, Pfizer funding. Yeah, that and more. I got, we had a packed show today. So much stuff going on. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Yes, it is a Monday. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was a Monday by every de definition of the word. Uh, hey, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate that. We are live exclusively on Rumble. You can also find our podcast on all the platforms, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, whatever. Geo7 in India. we got a big audience. Hello to our India uh, audience over there. And if you wouldn't mind, if you're watching us on Rumble, please right over here is a follow button. Just give that a click and uh, it helps the show out. It's free for you. But it really does help us out a lot. Thank you very much for those of you who have done that. All right. We always start off the show with this little lady and bring you an update on what's happening in her life. It is the Miko update. Miko, of course, is our special little Shiba Inu baby. She's uh, just over three years old. She had her booster shot over the weekend. Yeah. Mm. She actually did pretty well. Not bad at all, actually. She just gave a little start and put her head, stuck it underneath my arm. Uh, but she was fine. No problem. And then on the ride home, this is her wanting to get in the front seat. <laughs> Usually I sit in the back and she sits on my lap, sticks her nose out the window because she loves that. It's her favorite part of life is sticking her head out the window of the car while we're driving. And, uh, and but... This time, for the first time ever, she actually jumped up and she tried to get into the front seat. So, uh, I, whatever, you know, she does what she wants to and uh, she's doing great. She's uh, she's having a having the time of her life, little old Ichiko Mikoto. We call her Miko, of course. Our Miko updates brought to you by BarkBox. That is a monthly subscription service for your dog. Every month when you sign up, you will get a box full of treats toys and dog chew every month it's a new theme They're all kinds of cool stuff go check out the site you know yeah sign up if you want to uh, you know whatever you do uh but you gotta check them out because their themes are so cute your dog will love them there's all kind of reviews on uh, youtube you want to go over there and check it out just put in bark box review and uh, you can check out what people have had to say about uh, this amazing product. They're a great company, too. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're ever not happy with an item, you just give them a, give them a, a, a get in touch with customer service. I think you send them a message or an email. They'll make it right no matter what. They will make it right. And if you use our special link, which is BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, you'll get a month free when you sign up for a multi-month subscription. You can sign up for just one month. But... Six, 12 months, you get a one month free using our link, BarkBox.com slash Miko. It is in our show notes tonight. And thank you, BarkBox, for uh, for sponsoring the Miko update. By the way, at the very top of our show notes, you will find our new Jay Sheldon merch. It's the show merchandise. I know it's a bit burned out on camera here. But uh, this is our coffee mug. It's got the circle of our logo and then our logo on it. You got hoodies. 
T-shirts, singlets, tank tops, uh, all kinds of cool stuff there. And there's a second link, which let me just take 30 seconds to explain. I put, I went to one of these AI generating art sites and I put in the Jay Sheldon show as a keyword. And these pieces of art are what they generated. I don't know what the hell it has to do with the Jay Sheldon show, honestly, but it's weird, very strange, and some really cool art. There's, I think, five or six different pieces there. I'll show it to you one of these days on the show. Just check it out. The link's in our show notes. And what we did was we we went to this uh, uh, Printify company that does all of our merchandise. They're a great company. They, they, they make this. They right there, uh, and all the other merchandise. But we set up a special shop called our AI Art Gallery, and I've had them printed on canvas. These are for mounting on your wall. They come in, you know, small sizes, 10 by 8, or you can go all the way up to like a two-foot poster size. They're all signed by me, and we're going to make it limited edition. Once 10 of each item has been sold, we'll take it out of the store and delete it, and that will be it. You will own one of 10. Very exclusive. Woohoo. So check them out. It's the second link in our show uh, show notes tonight down below. And uh, yeah. All right. Cool beans. We got so much to cover. I got to get right into it because, uh, yeah, there is there's so many links in the show notes tonight. It's it's frightening. Um, this is our, our headline. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, do you know what's in your hot dogs? You know, the summer's coming, everybody's going to be doing cookouts, going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. You might want to give the hot dogs a pass. Some hot dogs, it, by the way, in Asia, we call hot dogs sausages. It confuses the hell out of me because when I think of sausages, I think of those tasty, spicy breakfast sausages not hot dogs. Nobody here knows what hot dogs are. Anyway, there's a report out that says sausages and hot dogs that were studied contain human DNA. Human DNA. They also analyzed vegetarian hot dogs and sausages. Americans spent $2.4 billion on hot dogs and another $2.74 billion on sausages. Stapled the American cookouts, getting some scrutiny for some rather unexpected ingredients. Clear Food, it's an independent company that takes foods, all different kinds, and analyzes them at the molecular level. They found that 14.4% of hot dogs tested were problematic. Clear Foods reported it found human DNA in six of the 345 samples, or 2% of all the samples tested. Four of those six samples that tested positive for human DNA were vegetarian products. <laughs> Other ingredients like chicken, lamb, turkey, beef showed up in samples that were not on the product's packaging. According to Clear Food, which did note that no pork was found in the 100% kosher products it tested. Non-meat eaters, the results 
kind of eye-opening for you folks who say you don't eat meat. You might be and not know it. 10%, 10%, one out of 10 of the vegetarian products contained meat. Chicken in the veggie breakfast sausage, pork in the veggie hot dogs. These are supposed to be vegetarian. Four of the 21 vegetarian samples had hygienic issues. Sounds like a nice way of saying they were disgusting. The amount of protein listed in some of the vegetarian products exaggerated the amount of protein in the item by as much, wow, as 250%, according to the report. Oh my, it, it goes on. They don't name the poor performing products, but it does, however, score products based on hygiene, safety, and accurate labeling. Major brands included Butterball, Boar's Head, Hebrew National, Oscar Mild, Jenny O, Trader Joe's, all got high marks. The Clear Foods site has a whole list of all the different products they tested and what they found. There's a link in the show notes for this article, and inside the article you will find a link to this. But the big headline is 2% of the products they tested contained human DNA. Yuck. Are you kidding me? Human DNA. How do you suppose it? And never mind. No, I, I don't want to think about it. Nuh-uh. Nope. Somebody, what, fall in the mixing machine? Lose a finger? I don't know. That's just gross. Okay. Slay, slaynews.com. I know it's not your usual website, but it's not your usual story. Check this out. The government vaccine mandates efforts. Guess who paid for a big chunk of it? Yep. Brought to you by Pfizer. Pharmaceutical giant Pfizer was secretly funding pressure groups that pushed government's to introduce those draconian vaccine mandates and vaccine passports, according to a new report. This report is from an investigative journalist called Lee Fang, and she shows that Pfizer silently funded several groups that were advocating for vaccine mandates and vaccine passports. The uh, Pfizer shot, one of the most widely used in the world, under vaccine mandates, people all over the world were forced into taking the jabs or, in some cases, losing their jobs, not being able to eat, not having access to basic human needs like grocery stores. In August of 2021, the president of the Chicago Urban League, Karen Freeman Wilson, in an interview on TV, argued that the vaccine mandates would not disproportionately harm the black community. She said, quoting here, that means she actually said it, uh, lefties. The health and safety factor here far outweighs the concern about shutting people out or creating a barrier. Earlier that year, the Chicago Urban League had received 100 thousand dollars from Pfizer. 
The money is supposedly for a project to advance the promotion of vaccine safety and effectiveness. Part of this promotion involved lobbying governments to introduce these tyrannical vaccine mandates. They didn't list Pfizer as a donor on their website, by the way. No surprise there. Freeman Wilson didn't mention the funding during the interview. And the Chicago Urban League grant is one of many Pfizer-awarded grants that were given to groups as well as consumer, medical, and get this, doctors groups. Why do you think the doctors were so high on pumping that clot shot in your arm? That's why. Right there, folks. Money talks. Unbelievable. And most of these people had absolutely nothing to say and never discussed where a whole bunch of that funding was coming from. And it was coming right from the folks who benefited the most from sticking that crap in your arm. Unbelievable. I got another one. It's a tweet. But uh, it's good. British MP Andrew Brighton, who is now getting all kinds of crap. Boy, the left are coming after this guy as they will come after anybody who speaks truth. But check this out. Uh, let me unmute here. And uh, he, he tried, tried to, to warn, warn us about, about the World, World Health Organization's, Organization's pandemic treaty that will erase all government and sovereignty as we know it. We told you, we warned you about this before. And he's been expelled from government. Take a listen. Beyond this terrifying prospect, um, Andrew Bridgen, in his speech to Parliament just a few days ago, pointed out that the WHO will also decide what is science and what is disinformation and then control what you can say around those parameters. Listen. Listen to this. This will be enacted in law and binding in those two new instruments that the WHO has the ability to say what is disinformation. And when anybody says to you that the science is settled on any issue, I suggest that this House would, would, would smell a rat straight away, because science is never settled. There is always open for modification, for new, new things to be discovered, theses to be refined. And what the, what the WHO is saying is that the WHO will be the arbiter of what the science is. And that cannot be right. That cannot be right. Yeah. There you go. WHO, they're going to sign these treaties, and this MP has been expelled from government for shining a light on the cockroaches. They're just not going to quit, folks. But that is one way we can fight back. Get a hold of your representatives. Get a hold of your congresspeople, your MPs, whatever it might be. What, whoever represents you, and tell them, uh-uh, you're not going to do it. You're not interested. Unbelievable. You, you really, you really got to do it. Uh, they've admitted now, the UK, that they are signing the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty. There is a letter here. Let me show you. Here we go. Where is it? There it is. Uh, it's a little hard to read because it's small. I'll put it up on the screen there. But um, it's a letter from sitting member Mark Fletcher who's an MP. In this letter, it states that they will sign the agreement 
as early as next month. And this was posted in April, so that's now, because it's May. Officially handing UK's sovereignty, basically, to the unelected WHO. Just wash their hands of it. There you go. There's a link to this tweet in our show notes if you want to read the actual letter. It, you can actually, it, you, it, is readable. it is readable. If you go to the uh, link, you will find that. And uh, <laughs> you should and will be frightened because it is some scary crap. All right. Uh, what else we got going on here? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's kind of along the same thing, but I got so many articles I had to share as much of it as I could so you folks will get some idea as to what we're up against. You can't just sit on your ass there on the chair and do nothing. You have got to get up and get out and do something. Contact your representatives. Contact your congresspeople. Contact your MPs. Whoever in your country... And tell them you're not putting up with it. Not some WEF crap. Not some WHO crap. Not any of these unelected dictators who are doing everything they can to run your life. It is scary stuff. And this just continued. CarnesReview.org is the website. You can find this in uh, Senator Malcolm Roberts warns liberals and labor of the great COVID awakening. Robert says Australia is at a tipping point, and soon the system will collapse under the weight of small business decimation and the onerous political party system. One Nation and UAP seem set to soon hold the reins. Clive Palmer's United Australian Party, headed by the much-lauded Craig Kelly, reports 40,000 new memberships in 10 days. Wow. Carnes News supported uh, federal member Craig Kelly, his tremendous exposés of the COVID scam. Uh, Any wonder he left the neocon liberals and the nationals who are openly heralding the arrival of the New World Order. In fact, hang on, let me pop over here, get rid of the UK letter. Here we go. Listen up. This is huge. It's become clear that people in this country and globally have been steamrolled. It is also clear that it has been coordinated globally. It is also clear that it has been integrated, not just over six months, not just over two and a half years, but it has been planned over decades. The changes to legislation in this country were done so that they could control doctors and people. But the people are waking. We know and we knew that this is all bullshit and that we've been had. But we are going to hound you down, the people that are guilty. We are going to hound you down and hold you accountable and we will expose your global agenda so that the people of Australia can be free in the future. Because I love my kids and I'm looking forward to my grandkids. And we are going to save this country. Yes. We need more people like Senator Malcolm Roberts. That's what we need. Exactly right. He calls them like he sees them. Fantastic article. Read it. It's in our newsletter, uh, our news uh, show notes tonight. So uh, check that out. All right. What else we got? Uh, Oh. (laughs) 
<clears throat> the U.S. Supreme Court is fighting back. This from conservativebrief.com, links in our show notes. In a very rare Supreme Court unanimous slapdown of the Democrats' attack on Justice Thomas. No, I am. I already do follow you on Twitter, actually. Yeah, there they are. Rare move. This has hardly ever, ever happened before. The U.S. Supreme Court's nine justices, all of them, spoke as one in a rebuke to Democrats who've been accusing Clarence Thomas of some rather major ethic violations. A letter Tuesday signed by, last Tuesday, signed by all nine justices, every one of them, was sent to the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee criticizing Democratic lawmakers for their ethics complaints against Thomas. The joint statement issued in response to the Senate Judiciary Committee's call to propose new ethic legislation that would provide independent oversight to the High Court to Congress instead of the current General Code of Conduct, which is, applies to judges on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, they've called for Cla- uh, the Democrats have called for Clarence Thomas, along with Justice Neil Gorsuch, to testify before Congress over alleged ethics scandals involving unreported gifts and financial earnings. Thomas has denied any wrongdoing. Critics of the proposed claim said the Democrats are just targeting Thomas and Gorsuch in a politically motivated witch hunt, which is exactly what it is uh, because of their investments with conservatives. So the justice's letter in response to one sent by Chairman Richard Durbin to Chief Justice John Roberts requesting his appearance before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And basically, these guys just said, ain't going to happen. And they put the full weight of all nine justices of the Supreme Court behind uh, Justice Thomas. Good for you. Good for you. All right. Read that article. It's in our show notes tonight. If you want to check that out, the, uh, the entire article is there. Um, okay. How do you identify? What's your pronouns? Who gives a crap? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't care. I will tell you that whatever you think your pronouns are, I am under absolutely no obligation, nor will I ever call you something that you're not. Now, how far is this crap going to go? How far will people push it? Well... You ain't going to believe that. Well, maybe you will. Maybe you will. With all the crap we've had these days, this is less shocking than it would have been a year ago, or even two years ago, even six months ago. Look at this idiot. A Norwegian man now identifies as a disabled woman and uses a wheelchair almost all the time. Problem is, he's not a woman, and he's not disabled. Oh, but that's how he identifies, so we have to respect that. 
A man in Norway sparking outrage on social media after he was sympathetically interviewed about his decision to begin identifying as a disabled woman. Good morning, Norway. Got morgen, Norge. I don't speak Norwegian, obviously. They aired an interview with Jorund Victoria Alme, who's 53, an able-bodied male who now says he identifies as a disabled woman. You know, you talk about these freaks who are disrespecting women of all kinds. Dylan, for example. Now this moron has taken it one step further, pushed the envelope just a little further, and not only is he... Is he you know, just completely knocking women. Now he's pushing the disabled aside. A senior credit analyst for a bank in Oslo, he received positive coverage in the Norwegian media since he first announced his trans disability publicly on Facebook back in 2020. He'd given several interviews alongside his wife. Despite having no physical handicaps, he currently uses a wheelchair almost all the time. There's the freak now. In addition to gender dysphoria, he claims to have a body integrity disorder, citing a dissidence between how he perceives himself and how his body functions. I'm not making this up. This is 100% true. This is where these freaks have taken this. Unbelievable. Here's a great post, by the way. It was a tweet that someone screen captured and then blotted out whoever tweeted it. I wish they'd left it because I'd love to shame this moron. Listen to this. To those who are unsure how it works, you don't need to bleed to have a period. You don't need to ovulate to have a period. A period is a state of mind than an actual state of being. So yes, Transgendered women can absolutely have periods and need free hygiene products. There are people right here in this country that I'm aware of who are so poor they are unable to afford sanitary pads, hygiene products for their monthly cycles. Serious. There are some NGOs that do their best to get them all out there. But there are people who can't afford them. There are people I've read stories, I'm sorry, I know this is a bit gross, but you've got to know this, who will wash them and reuse them. These are the disposable ones. And these freaks are going to waste these products that they don't need for this crap. This is insane, and this must, must stop. Absolutely 
insane. And freaks like this are a major part of the... Now he's even knocking the disabled by claiming to be identify as a disabled woman when he is 100% not disabled. This is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Unbelievable. All right. Yeah, uh, the link, by the way, to that tweet is in our show notes. So you want to check it out. It's in there. You can uh, you can take a look. It's, you know what it is? It's shameful. That's what it is. Mm. All right. Fox News. We're going to briefly cover this. And it's not about Tucker. I know. Strange, huh? Did you see what was he up to with his his video he posted on Twitter? Like 70 over million views. It's insane. Anyway, Fox News. Not that I'm telling you something you didn't already know or couldn't figure out quite easily. Is compromised. They're protecting George Soros. Take a look at this. Hang on. Let me uh, let me turn on the sound here. Watch, Watch this, this host. host. Watch and listen to what happens. I'm not sure we need to bring George Soros into this. I was going to say you get the last word, Speaker. He he paid for it. I mean, why can't we discuss the fact that millions of dollars he spent? I I agree with Melissa. George Soros doesn't need to be a part of this conversation. Okay. So it's her vote. All right, we're going to. Talk about uncomfortable. Look at that. You got nothing to say. Okay, we're going to move on. Uh, (laughs) See? You see? Unbelievable. Hang on, let me just make sure that's paused. Huh? You see? This is the way. They They wouldn't even let him bring it up. Oh, we don't need to be talking about George Soros. And the guy says, well, why not? He paid for it. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I got, I got one more. I want to share. <laughs> I got two more. Okay. Uh, this is an ad for a watch, strangely enough. But um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it goes to some of the stuff we discussed tonight. Take a look at this. When I was was a little girl, I had this dream that seemed so impossible. I was going to be the fastest runner in the world. It will be a new world record. I got this little nugget of an idea from my dad. He used to watch me run and say, Ain't no woman alive that can beat you. And I believed him. He made me feel invincible. It wasn't easy. I trained hard, harder than anyone else I know. But I was made for this. I was an unstoppable force. A life dedicated to perfection. But even perfection wouldn't be enough.
Wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. Absolutely amazing. It's, it's a little long, but I wanted to share that. Well worth your time. The link, uh, I think I put the link in our show notes tonight, is frightening, uh, sad, but frightening. All right, hey, we want to, before we get to our last little joke here, and it's a funny one, you got to hang on, because this is great. You got It's a very quick little video, but you got to check it out. Funniest thing I've seen in a long time. All right, in today's digital age, our privacy online security more important than ever, and it's just going to get more important. That's why NordVPN is a perfect solution for protecting your internet activity. With NordVPN, you can browse the web securely, privately, without worrying about hackers, snoopers, or even your own ISP, internet service provider, getting a, a, a hold of all your online behavior. Military-grade encryption technology ensures your data stays safe and confidential with NordVPN. Not only... Do they protect your privacy? It also unlocks a world of online content. Over 5,000 servers in 59 different countries. You can access your favorite websites, streaming services from anywhere in the world. And you can also protect all your family and friends because a single NordVPN account, you can connect up to six devices. Everything, your handphones, your laptops, your PCs, uh, whatever it is, even your router. And it's so easy. You just click Turn it on, click the button, boom, you're protected, just like that. If you, uh, if you don't want to risk your online activity and your freedom, NordVPN is the way to do it. There's a lot of VPNs out there, but Nord has some of the best tech. they got some of the best deals and the most reasonable rates. And if you use the link in our show notes down below, the special link for the Jay Sheldon Show, you will uh, get a limited-time offer for the ultimate online protection. It really will give you some great savings. So use our link in our show notes for NordVPN. Check them out. All right. I got one more, one more to go. And it's very quick, but it's very funny. Hang on. Let me get this queued up here. Watch. You got to watch. There's not really any sound. And I'm sorry for our podcast listeners. It's a visual. You go over to our Rumble show, rumble.com slash the Jay Sheldon show, and check out this video. I, I laughed much more than I should have. Watch the end. Watch the end. It's very quick. Watch the end. Here we go. Play it again. Play it again. Watch this. Comes down the tree, falls out of the tree, and then, boop, I'll take that. <laughs> that <is so> <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Things like that, you know? All right. We usually end with some little bit of funny business or weird stuff, and that qualified. One of the funniest videos I've seen today or this week or at least this month all right. Hey, we're getting close to the end of White Fang. We don't have too much more to go, and then we're going to move on to reading uh, George Orwell's 1984. Oh, I can't wait. Anyway, White Fang is what we're reading now. We do read books on this show. We've been doing it for a long time. Uh, we've read all the classic children's books from Peter Pan to The Wizard of Oz, uh, The Little Prince, Alice in Wonderland, and we've been doing the White Fang 
which was originally published way back in 1906 by Jack London. We're on chapter four of the last section. It is called The Call of the Kind. The months came and went. There was plenty of food, no work in the Southland, and White Fang lived fat and prosperous and happy. Not alone was he in the geographical Southland, for he was in the Southland of life. Human kindness was like a sun shining upon him, and he flourished like a flower planted in good soil. And yet he remained somehow different from the other dogs. He knew the law even better than did the dogs that had known no other life. He observed the law more punctiliously, but still there was about him a suggestion of lurking ferocity as though the wild still lingered in him and the wolf in him merely slept. He never chummed with the other dogs. Lonely he'd lived so far as his kind was concerned, and lonely he would continue to live. In his puppyhood, under the persecution of Lip-Lip and the puppy pack and his fighting days with Beauty Smith, he'd acquired a fixed aversion for dogs. The natural course of his life had been diverted, and recoiling from his kind, he'd clung to the human. Besides, all Southland dogs looked upon him with suspicion. He arose in them their instinctive fear of the wild, and they greeted him always with snarls and growls and belligerent hatred. He, on the other hand, learned that it was not necessary to use his teeth upon them, his naked fangs and writhing lips were uniformly efficacious, rarely failing to send a bellowing, onrushing dog back on its haunches. But there was one trial in White Fang's life. Collie. She never gave him a moment's peace. She was not so amenable to the law as he. She defied all efforts of the master to make her become friends with White Fang. Ever in his ears was sounding her sharp and nervous snarl. She'd never forgiven him the chicken-killing episode and persistently held the belief that his intentions were bad. She found him guilty before the act and treated him accordingly. She became a pest to him, like a policeman following around the stable and hounds, and if he even so much as glanced curiously at a pigeon or a chicken, bursting into an outcry of indignation and wrath. His favorite way of ignoring her was to lie down, head on his forepaws, and pretend to sleep. This always dumbfounded and silenced her. <coughs> with the exception of Collie, all things went well with White Fang. He'd learned control, poise, he knew the law. He achieved a staidness and calmness and philosophic tolerance. He no longer lived in a hostile environment. Danger and hurt and death didn't lurk everywhere about him. In time, the unknown as a thing of terror and menace, ever impending, faded away. Life was soft and easy flowed along smoothly, and neither fear nor foe lurked by the way. He missed the snow without being aware of it. An unduly long summer would have been his thought, had he thought about it. 
As it was, he merely missed the snow in a vague, subconscious way. In the same fashion, especially in the heat of summer, when he suffered from the sun, he experienced faint longings for the Northland. Their only effect upon him, however, was to make him uneasy, restless, without his knowing what was the matter. White Fang had never been very demonstrative. Beyond his snuggling and the throwing of a crooning note into his love growl, he had no way of expressing his love. Yet it was giving him to discover a third way. He'd always been susceptible to the laughter of the gods. Laughter had affected him with madness, made him frantic with rage. But he didn't have it in him to be angry with the love master, and when that god elected to laugh at him in a good-natured, bantering way, he was nonplussed. He could feel the prickling and stinging of the old anger as it strove to rise up in him, but it strove against the love. He could not be angry, yet he had to do something. At first he was dignified. The master laughed even harder. Then he tried to be more dignified, and the master laughed harder than before. In the end, the master laughed him out of his dignity. His jaws slightly parted, his lips lifted a little, and a quizzical expression was more love than humor came into his eyes. He had learned to laugh. Likewise, he learned to romp with the master, to be tumbled down and rolled over, be the victim of innumerable rough tricks, and in return he feigned anger, bristling and growling ferociously, and clipping his teeth together in snaps that had all the seeming of deadly intention. But he never forgot himself. Those snaps were always delivered on the empty air. And at the end of such a romp, when blow and cuff and snap and snarl were fast and furious, they would break off suddenly, stand several feet apart, glaring at each other. And then, just as suddenly, as the sun rising in a stormy sea, they begin to laugh. This would always culminate with the master's arms going around White Fang's neck and shoulders, while the latter crooned and growled his love song. But nobody else ever romped with White Fang. Oh, he didn't permit it. He stood on his dignity, and when they attempted it, his warning snarl and bristling mane were anything but playful. That he allowed the master these liberties was no reason that he should be a common dog, loving here and loving there, everybody's property for a romp and a good time. He loved with single heart and refused to cheapen himself or his love. The master went out on horseback a great deal, and to accompany him was one of White Fang's chief duties in life. In the Northland he'd evidenced his fealty by toiling in the harness, but there were no sleds in the Southland, nor did dogs pack burdens on their backs, so he rendered fealty in a new way, by running with the master's horse. The longest day never played White Fang out. His was the gait of the wolf, smooth, tireless, effortless, and at the end of fifty miles he would come in jauntily ahead of the horse. 
It was in connection with the riding that White Fang achieved one of the other modes of expression, remarkable in that it didn't but twice in all of his life. The first time occurred when the master was trying to teach a spirited thoroughbred the method of opening and closing gates without the riders dismounting. Time and again, many times, he ranged the horse up to the gate in the effort to close it, and each time the horse became frightened and backed, plunged away. It grew more nervous and excited every moment. When it reared, the master put the spurs into it and made it drop its forelegs to the earth, whereupon it would begin kicking with its hind legs. White Fang watched the performance with increasing anxiety until he could no longer contain himself. He sprang in front of the horse and barked savagely and warningly. Though he often tried to bark thereafter and the master encouraged him, he succeeded only once, and then it was not in the master's presence. A scamper across the pasture, a jackrabbit rising suddenly under the horse's feet, a violent shear, a stumble, a fall to earth, and a broken leg for the master was the cause of it. White Fang sprang in a rage at the throat of the offending horse, but was checked by the master's voice. Home! Go home! the master commanded when he had ascertained his injury. White Fang was disinclined to desert him. The master thought of writing a note, but searched his pockets vainly for pencil and paper. Again, he commanded White Fang to go home. The latter regarded him wistfully, started away, then returned and whined softly. The master talked to him gently but seriously, and he cocked his ears and listened with painful intentness. That's all right, old fellow. You just run along home, ran the talk. Go on home. Tell them what's happened to me. Home with you, you wolf. Now get along home. White Fang knew the meaning of home, and though he didn't understand the remainder of the master's language, he knew it was his will that he should go home. He turned and trotted reluctantly away, and then he stopped, undecided, and looked back over his shoulder. Go home, came the sharp command, and this time he obeyed. <coughs> the family was on the porch, taking the cool of the afternoon when White Fang arrived. He came in among them, panting, covered in dust. Wheaton's back, Wheaton's mother announced. The children welcomed White Fang with glad cries and ran to meet him. He avoided them and passed down the porch, but they cornered him against a rocking chair and the railing. He growled and tried to push by them. Their mother looked apprehensively in their direction. I confess he makes me nervous around the children, she said. I have a dread that he'll turn upon them unexpectedly some day. Growling savagely, White Fang sprang out of the corner, overturning the boy and the girl. The mother called to her and comforted them, telling them not to bother White Fang. A wolf is a wolf, commented Judge Scott. There is no trusting one. But he's not all wolf, imposed Beth, standing for her brother in his absence. 
You have only Wheaton's opinion for that, rejoined the judge. He merely surmises that there is some strain of dog in White Fang, but as he will tell you himself, he knows nothing about it. As for his appearance, he didn't finish the sentence. White Fang stood before him, growling fiercely. Go away! Lie down, sir, Judge Scott commanded. White Fang turned to the love master's wife. She screamed with fright as he seized her dress in his teeth and dragged on it till the frail fabric tore away. And by this time, he'd become the center of interest. He'd ceased from his growling and stood, head up, looking in their faces. His throat worked spasmodically but made no sound while he struggled with all his body, convulsed with the effort to rid himself of the incommunicable something that strained for utterance. "'I hope he's not going mad,' said Whedon's mother. "'I told Whedon I was afraid the warm climate wouldn't agree with an arctic animal.' "'He's trying to speak, I do believe,' Beth announced. At this moment, speech came to White Fang, rushing up in a great burst of barking. Something's happened to Wheaton, his wife said decisively. They were all on their feet now, and White Fang ran down the steps, looking back to them to follow. For the second and last time in his life, he had barked and made himself understood. After this event, he found a warmer place in the hearts of the Sierra Vista people. Even the groom whose arm he'd slashed admitted that he was a wise dog, even if he was a wolf. Judge Scott, still held to the same opinion, proved it to everybody's dissatisfaction by measurements and descriptions taken from the encyclopedia and various works on natural history. The days came and went, streaming their unbroken sunshine over the Santa Clara Valley. But as they grew shorter, and White Fang's second winter in the Southland came on, he'd made a strange discovery. Collie's teeth were no longer sharp. There was a playfulness about her nips, and a gentleness that prevented them from really hurting him. He forgot she'd made life a burden to him. And when she disported herself around him, he responded solemnly, striving to be playful and becoming no more than ridiculous. And one day, she led him off on a long chase through the back pasture land into the woods. It was the afternoon that the master was to ride, and White Fang knew it. The horse stood saddled, waiting at the door. White Fang hesitated, but there was that in him deeper than all the law he'd learned, than all the customs that had molded him, and his love for the master, than the very will to live of himself. And when, in the moment of indecision, Collie nipped him and scampered off, he turned and followed after. The master rode alone that day, and in the woods, side by side, White Fang ran with Collie, as his mother, Kiche, an old one-eye, had long run years before in the silent 
Northland Forest. Woohoo! A little love interest for White Fang with Kali. All right, coming up on our next dream, we'll begin the final chapter. Chapter 5, The Sleeping Wolf. And that will be on uh, Wednesday. I don't know if we'll get through all of it in one session. We might have to break that up into two because it's a long chapter. But we will get through it. And then don't forget, after that, we'll be starting 1984 by George Orwell. Wow. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for popping in and uh, coming along for the ride. We are also a podcast. You'll find us on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, all of the podcast platforms. Just look up The Jay Sheldon Show. And while you are here, right over there is a follow button on Rumble. Please do give it a click. We really appreciate it. Cost you nothing. You get a little email notification if you opt into that. When we go live, you'll, you'll know. And by the way, in case you missed it on our very opening little slide, yep, we're weekdays now. Monday through Friday, that's five nights a week of this foolishness. Yeah, we'll be back tomorrow night. All right, we'll see you again. Go over and check out the Dan Bongino Show. They are coming up live in just about uh, six or seven minutes here. Fantastic show, great guy, and... Uh, I'd strongly encourage you to check him out over there on the Dan Mangino Show. I'll see you again tomorrow night. This has been the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>